Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. We have quite the show for all of you listeners today. A show so loaded, clearly, I can't even get my own name out. That's how excited I am to get to today's topics. Of course, it's the conclusion of our College Contender Series. We've broken down nine of our top 10 preseason teams heading into this 2022 season. There's only one team left on our list, our preseason number one Pepperdine Waves. But of course, before we talk about that, we've got some actual college tennis results to discuss. Men's action unfolding on the weekend. Such an exciting group of play in Texas. TCU going one and one in the SEC split. Florida rebounding, earning a victory over Texas. Of course, on the women's side, you had some play disrupted by rain. Nevertheless, some outstanding tennis uh, played over at NC State. You had hidden duels at Miami as well. Action for us to discuss on today's podcast. And joining me on the show, I should have mentioned Sherwood Cup. We also had Sherwood Cup. But joining me on the show to discuss it all is the man who's been willing to go through this slog with me. Help me set the scene for all of you college tennis fans as we prepare for another exciting season. Of course, you know him as half of the dynamic duo on this college tennis preview podcast. A man, I will say it, co-favorite writer. On our website, CrackedRackets.com, founder of the No Ad, No Problem blog, and of course, our friend, John J. Parsons. J. hey, great shot. Welcome to the show. I almost called you Jim in honor of Chris, just because, you know, in the text, what do you call you, Jim or James or Jones? What, oh, no, we got the last name wrong. That's what it was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chris, uh, in the life of him, Chris can't figure out the last name. Exactly. The true professor moment when he doesn't know his students' names. But of course, <laughs> hello, my friend. How are you? How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm super excited to be here. I'm not sure I ever thought this day would come. Number one, uh, over under on over 20,000 words you think I hit for this uh, this series. Well, I know you and the answer's over because I had to read <laughs> so many of those words for our preview video. So it's over. It's over. At 22,000, I have probably have never written those many words. It's a short novel. Yeah, I, I was not an English major, let's say that, uh, <laughs> although you might not know it. Um, by by reading uh, the verbose articles, but um, verbose. super excited. I'm not an English major, but my verbose articles go on. You've been <laughs> I'm a lot not, of wordy on not Twitter. an English major, but I'm so smart. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm super excited to be here. Super excited to be like having action to discuss <laughs> our number one team. Um, so much going on between college tennis, Australian Open. It's all happening, and I'm excited to be here. Yeah, and to that point, when I inevitably stutter 
quite frequently throughout this podcast misstate names and get matches wrong. It's because I am not operating on the most sleep as we record this podcast. You'll hear on the number two men's preview. And by the way, shout out to Jay, who has been a week ahead of me, Matt, and Chris this entire time, has never missed a recorded podcast, has been patient with my schedule as well. You're a beast. Can't thank you enough for being willing to do this. But you'll hear on the number two podcast, Tennessee Men, I stuttering Stanley just throughout the course of the first 10 minutes. And like, I, you know, how many times have I done the intro starting where we always start? And I said the the forefather and I was like, wait a second. I was like, oh my God, I, I know. I was like, <laughs> I just screwed up the intro. Like my brain is mush. And yeah, there's just some, you know, I'm happy to get a second attempt to talk about some of these results because I didn't do my best on the first try, but yeah, it's great to have all this tennis back in our lives. And I mentioned this story on that podcast, uh, the Sunday that of the matches we were talking about, Michigan was playing Virginia Tech, and I thought, okay, we'll get a comfortable 4-0, 4-1 sort of victory. I'll be able to get a nap in and still be able to watch the start of the Australian Open. No, no, no. Michigan decides to play a 4-2 affair, and again... I think it's good news. Gavin Young gets a clinch in his first match, bodes well for the freshman. It's not as though we didn't get the four singles wins we needed, even if there was some drama. And I thought Nino looked good. I thought Maloney looked good. Styler's going to Styler. You know, by the way, we're not going to talk about the Michigan men exclusively. Don't worry. I just had to see that. It ended up happening. But of course, two top five matches. And here we are starting (laughs) with Michigan versus Virginia Tech. Got it. You know, it's not an ITA scripted show. I get to do what I got to do. But yeah, to your point, Texas, TCU, Tennessee, Florida, all taking place throughout the course of the weekend. Thrilling affair. TCU start things off even behind closed doors. The drama of following live scores once again on Twitter. It was so exciting. And of course, TCU takes the doubles point. Clinches a 4-3 win. Jake Fernley knocking off a last year's undefeated number six singles player for Florida in Josh Goodger to clinch the victory, of course. You know, from there, Tennessee comes to town the next sun or that Sunday and drops the doubles point and is playing without Blaze Bick now, without Martin Prada, and yet ultimately takes three of the top four and then gets a win from transfer Angel Diaz at the number five spot to clinch a 4-3 victory on associate head coach James McKay's birthday and the celebration on Twitter is just like, again, whether it was TCU versus Florida, and I wanted to tweet this out, Tennessee versus TCU, I was like, the court rush is back. I was texting, I don't know if this was in the me, you, Matt, Chris tweet, or I didn't want you to see the side of me, so it might have just been me, Matt, and Chris, but I was... And I, I love you. I would say this to all of your faces, Wolverines. I was like, if we rush the court after this 4-2 victory, I will be so angry, Chris. I will do a full monologue on the show about how angry I am that we rushed. And thank God we didn't. And by the way, freshman clinching was pretty cool, but shout out to the boys for not abusing the rush. But the rush was back. 4-3 Tennessee over TCU. 4-3 TCU over Florida. Of course, Florida takes a dramatic doubles point. Gets a clinch from Ben Shelton. He bounces back from a loss the previous day. 4-3 over the Longhorns. Hidden duels in Miami. NC State action as well. Battle of the Bay. Three minutes, four minutes, five minutes, however you need. The, however much you need. The floor is yours, my friend. Your takeaway from what was truly week one of the college tennis season. It was, uh, and you just kind of nicely went through all of the the results there. Um, 
I have to say, as uh, as nostalgic as I am to stare at live scores <laughs> that are set scores, and you're staring at a six all tiebreaker and just waiting to see who flips to seven, and then all of a sudden it's wrong. <laughs> I, I'm a nostalgic person, and like if throw back to ten years ago when that was what we were doing. Um, we've really got to move past this. Um, it is not acceptable to have two top five matches that are not streamed or have any live video at all. I mean, throw up some cameras, throw up something. Um, I think it was even more disappointing uh, for two reasons. One, particularly the Friday night, as there were so many finals happening across Australia, you could just feel energy on tennis Twitter. People like, waiting for something to do and guess what for those of us that like enjoyed staring at a scoreboard like we we knew what to do uh but for everybody else i mean that's such a great moment to start looping in these big tennis fans who aren't yet a part of uh college tennis and i think that was exacerbated as i was seeing the opening rounds of the australian open and seeing all of these tweets around you know who is hartono i've never heard of her before who's amina bectis Right. And these are diehard tennis fans. And if we want those sorts of fans to, one, be aware that college tennis is happening at this level, we have to make streams more accessible. It is absolutely a must. Um, so that was disappointing, I, I will say, particularly a school that TCU that has invested so much in tennis and in the community. Um, it's an absolute prereq. And, and we just need to get there. And there needs to be more more people saying it right that like look this just doesn't cut it um so with that said I, I don't think there were any big surprises for me on the men's side i think you know there's a lot of absences happening right now i'm not surprised to see florida lose uh to tcu they always start slow um well, quickly before we get to florida tcu because i want to sure. ask you some directed questions about that but i want to talk about that tcu component the lack of video that you mentioned and let's yeah. be clear and i mentioned this on twitter and he would come on the show, and I think he's even made jokes about it. Coach David Rodini is the first person who wants TCU to have cameras on those indoor courts, and I promise you he is exploring every budgetary aspect, whatever it takes, logistical challenge, to get those cameras up. Now, it sucked. And with that in mind, I do want to say to people like Coach Rodini, to people uh, who don't have cameras in a moment like that, isn't the option just Instagram Live or Twitter Live or all of these different things? Because I do think we it's easy to rag on it. Let's talk about a solution. What could they have done? And I think you tweeted that out. That's it, right? Just say, hey, SID, camera, on. It doesn't have to be good. It's better than nothing. And I think you and I speak for College Tennis Nation here. We would accept that. It's not a perfect solution, but at least it's a solution. 100%. I, I did. Tw I shamelessly tweeted that out, right? Like, please, we're back. <laughs> That's what it was. You said go live. And I was like, Jay, shoot your shot, my friend. <laughs> Someone go live. Um, and also, like, how cool for those people that don't know there's a match all of a sudden, like, yes. the, the account is going live. Like, we all get those annoying notifications when someone goes <laughs> live. Like, everyone would know. Um, so that's a solution, right? I think what is frustrating and uh, to be, you know, college tennis outsider if you will like it sometimes doesn't feel like there is that there is that level of investment that you want to see and you want to see whether it is someone just posting videos of a few of the points or some sort of effort of going live right some innovation around like how are we going to get this to the fans how are we going to engage the community 
for a school like TCU who has invested so much in building a community there in Fort Worth and building a, an academy at their facility, right? Like it's not just the SID who's in the stands who could, you know, get up a phone, right? There are other people who could do it as well, but certainly go live on Instagram, try it, right? See how it goes. Um, someone said there, there's not internet in the facility. I'm like, who? someone has free data. I'm sure of it. Um, <laughs> Give Rodini so, yeah. the bill. He'll pay for that data. I right. promise. It, it, expense it, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, there are solutions, right? Um, and you want to see, uh, you want to see people take advantage of those. I would echo that sentiment ten thousand percent. Did I cut you off? I apologize if I did. That. No, I think that was just my yeah. like resigned face. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's good. I like it. You're getting sound effects. Welcome to the show, my friend. Um, but to your to your point, and I think more broadly, again. We are nostalgic for those things of of you know following the live score because we grew up doing that, and so to us it was like kind of nice to be back in that lane for a hot second. It should not be the the solution moving forward. All of these places should have cameras. It's twenty twenty two. Come on now, it's not track tennis play site. Not that hard. Um, I will say here's an all time zag for you. It'll never happen. I'm not advocating for it. I'm not saying we should do this as a format. Boy, was it exciting to have two sudden death singles matches to focus like your attention on. And I get it to prolong the match. And I'm sure fans left throughout the course of the match. And we should play all everything. You know, simultaneous start has been a theme of our coaching interviews. But like the suspense of knowing, oh, it's down to two and it's three, two. And this all matters. Like imagine for Angel Diaz or for Jake Fernley to go 2-0 in that scenario. Like, Jake Fernley right now, he's got the biggest <laughs> college. Like, it's just unbelievable. This guy is just through the roof, Jay. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 pros and cons, right? Yeah. I mean, there's some, like, momentum. That, like, I mean, talk about the TCU Florida match, right? I mean, and this is what is so great about college tennis. I made this point earlier as we were talking about these changes, but these momentum shifts happen nowhere else in tennis, right? You think about a singular match, the Australian Open right now, and someone comes back from two sets to love down, magnify that by six, right? Florida was on the brink of being out within points. Who knows how close, because we couldn't watch the tiebreak, but very close. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, they win both of those matches at two and three. You turn down to five and six. You've got good, you're undefeated at six. You breathe a huge sigh of relief. And guess what? TCU comes up clutch, right? Those momentum shifts are what make college tennis. So I, I agree in some ways, like the fact that it turns to five and six and they're a whole set behind adds to some of it, intensifies the pressure. You think about like Louis Maxted, who's a freshman. I'm like, oh my God, that's a tough situation to be in. Uh, if he knows it all comes down to him and they're starting first serve when it's like, you know, three, two, but um yeah, I thought it was interesting, um, but certainly kind of the, the five-hour matches just makes it untenable. Yeah, without question. That said, again, it was fun. It was <laughs> pretty fun. All right, rapid fire through these, and then we'll get to, obviously, our College Contender Series. Let's start with uh, the TCU component. They win doubles both day. We talked all pre- all offseason how critical the doubles points going to be with the margins as thin as they are. Yeah. And then let's be clear, uh, no Marcos. No Tim Rule, who will be options. I don't know if Rule ends up playing. You feel like, though, maybe they slide out Maxted and they slide in Marcos, and you feel like Fernley at six is the solution if he's able to play this well all season. Give me your TCU take. 
Yeah, I mean, that was the big, big note, right? Like they didn't have Marcos Vives, who I think would probably play two or three, right? He's like a top of the lineup guy. Um, so they're looking strong. Um, you know, injuries, TBD, I mean, health of this team um, has always been a concern, but they looked really strong. Um, and so particularly without one of your top guys, like they're going to be in the mix and they're going to be tested throughout the entire season against the Big 12 competition. Riffis, Shelton, Vale. Vale wins on day one. Riffis, Vale, Shelton. Shelton wins on day three, uh, day two, but that's Sunday, um, at number three. Doubles points, again, a struggle for Florida. That was noticeable. But B, I don't think they're going to be losing two of the top three moving forward. It's good to see that three's a lock. Riffis still clearly working his way back into form. Braswell might just be that good, but like... It was a disappointing two singles for Florida this week. Yes. Like the two singles uh, flight was disappointing. I mean, the top three overall I thought was disappointing, right? I mean, this is a team sure. that you go, their top three is probably the best in the country. There are probably a lot of variables. I thought it was a disappointing weekend for Shelton. Um, I mean, I'll just rapid fire. I mean, Riffis, that riffis Baziri match was interesting to watch. I mean, both of them were shells of themselves. Um, Spaziri couldn't hit a backhand. He sliced everything. I think he has a, a left wrist injury. Um, so that was a wild match, but I mean, he's incredibly clutch. Braswell's ceiling is just so high. Mm -hmm. I saw it in Orlando in May. I mean, when he's clicking, he's just one of those players. He's impossible to beat. He doesn't always deliver that level, but he was, he was playing that well. Andrade and Vale looked not great against Texas. Um, which was a big surprise because they had both been doing well on the ITF circuit. Um, uh, shout out to myself for predicting <laughs> Bailey uh, top of the lineup against uh, Texas. So we did see that. I thought his first set against Shelton was was smart. I thought he played tactically really well. Shelton cut down on the errors. Um, I think Florida's going to be better in doubles. Obviously, the addition of Seymour and Shabaya. I think will help. They just need to figure out. I don't think Riffis and Shelton have played that much together at one. So I'm actually not as worried about their doubles down the home stretch. Um, and Texas, I mean, question mark for them is going to be wall deep, right? So like every single one of these teams has a player, if not two, that is a total question mark right now. Yeah. The zag for Florida would be, Hey, we played bad in our top three and both matches were four, three. Like that's the margin we still have for ourselves. We can figure out doubles yep. and we know Sam, Ben, Duarte, they'll be fine. Come yep. May. That's a positive one. If you're Texas, we played Florida four, three, and we didn't have wall deep in singles. We are that right. deep. We are that good. And wait till Elliot and Sam are both healthy and they already yep. won a one doubles match. You're Tennessee. You're on the top of the mountain, you know, the rocky top, dare I say, where it's just like, wow, wow. No Bicknell, no Prada. We lose doubles and we win the match. That is crazy. And, you know, one of the big questions for them outside of is Blaze Bicknell eligible is, well, who's going to be six? Because if Blaze is in the lineup, sure, then it's, you know, some combo of Walton, Monday, Harper, Prada, Mitsui, Bicknell. Fine there. If no Bicknell... Is it Walner? Is it Harper? Is it Diaz? Is it, Gan is it Gannon? Both Diaz and Gannon put forward a pretty strong case to say, hey, we can play in a pinch. Gannon's a freshman. He goes three sets against Fernley, wins a much-needed first set for the team. Diaz clinched the damn thing. Like, yeah. So we got a big debate before recorded. we recorded Tennessee tonight, and it's, it's spicy. Um, 
I am still very like I still think even without Bicknell, this team is in the hunt for a national championship. Matt and Chris would disagree. This weekend, and it might be a hot takeoff of this weekend, but this weekend I think indicates your boy might be right. Because like Prada's for sure coming back. Yeah, I, I think the sample size is a little too small, but I agree. I mean, the results from the showings from Gannon and Diaz were very impressive. I mean, coming into the weekend, I would have said they were what eight and nine on the depth chart nine and 10 maybe behind um, Walner and Harper, given their health. If they were healthy, I would say Diaz and Gannon were behind them. So for them to come in, yes, TCU was without um, Vives, but really good showing. So you feel really good about the work they've probably put in during the fall and the off season. They've got another good test coming up against Wake Forest, where I think their depth will be really challenged. So that should be interesting to see on Tuesday. Um, but overall, I feel like, I mean, they're the number one team in the country right now, and deservedly so. Yeah, quality. And speaking of number one teams in the country, let's get to our college contenders here. Oh, I forgot to ask. NC State, Miami, any takeaways? Yeah, I mean, before we segue into to the women's action, let's cover some of the, the women's this past weekend. Yeah. Um, we didn't get any um, like top duel matches, but we did get a lot of hidden duels and a lot of tournaments. Um, I would say something to watch. Uh, so in Miami, it was Texas, Miami, NC State, Vanderbilt. Um, something to watch for Texas is none of the new additions played. So we saw none of the freshmen in action there. Um, that's something to watch for. I know we had talked about their injuries. Um, you know, we just saw kind of the four returning sophomores um, contribute there. NC State, no Alana Smith, um, still potentially out with injury. Um, they, we did see their, their freshman top 10 ITF junior, uh, Nugro who play, she took Shavath upon the six, four in the third, good showing from her. Um, so overall, that was my big takeaway was the kind of the missing players for Texas. And this would be a good way to introduce them to college. Yeah. Any other thoughts from you there before well, I segue? You knew I was going to add, no, I think that's a perfect assessment of NC state. Obviously another tournament I would throw out there, Michigan invitational Notre Dame was in town. Duke was in town. I thought the Wolverines looked pretty darn good throughout the invitational shout out. And I'm just going to say it clearly get the biases out of the way. Julia Fliegner is essentially my little sister. She looked damn good in weekend. Number one for the Wolverines. And I mean, they're young, they're very, very talented. And, you know, Duke was fine. I didn't think they played particularly well. They were okay. Um, yeah. Notre Dame, interesting. But I thought, you know, that's another event I meant to include as well in all of them is that was, I thought, one of the better ones on the weekend. Yeah, I'll circle through. I'll go there. We'll go to um, Vegas and and then we'll move into our Hit the one. rapid fire. I apologize, <laughs> Pepperdine fans, but Coach Mike, uh, okay, it was Woodson. Um, he goes, yeah, you know, I was going to listen to the Baylor review, but it took me 20 minutes till you were talking about us. And I was I, like, I, yeah, I, I was like, that. yeah, but you still listened. Come yeah. on. Oh yeah. Okay, he said it publicly. Perfectly. Yeah. Pepperdine fans. I, I have the segue for you. We'll get there. Okay. Beautiful. So the, the Michigan invite, I actually thought the result of the week was Boulay over Duke's Chloe Beck. Yes. That was a very good win for her. Uh, we had talked about in the Ohio state preview, uh, a little bit of a disappointing fall for her. So for her to get you know, win over Chloe Beck, who's ranked 15 uh, in straight sets, no less. Really good win. Let's go to Vegas. Um, I think it's the Freeman Memorial where we had Stanford, Pepperdine, Oklahoma State, and UNLV. Uh, disappointing weekend, I would say, for Stanford's Connie Ma, who went one and two, suffered some losses that I did not expect. Um, and this is where we segue into Pepperdine, right? I mean, just the 
the results from Pepperdine, and it wasn't your Janice Chen's, uh, Patrick Kaleva didn't play, Vicky Flores and everyone else did, but it wasn't Flores, it wasn't Chen, it wasn't Patrick Kaleva. Fukuda won the entire thing. You know, and this is a tournament with Connie Ma. This is a tournament with McCartney Kessler of Florida. This is a high-quality tournament. Uh, Fukuda wins the entire thing. Nikki Redelick of Pepperdine beats Connie Ma. Uh, Lisa Zar makes the semifinals, right? Like, it was littered with Pepperdine talent throughout the entire event. Uh, and so I thought it was a really strong showing for them. And I think just showing off the depth that they have to have some of these players defeat top 10 players in the country who are going to play five, six, seven for Pepperdine. Uh, so, I mean, we got a lot to get into. Well, there it is. There's the segue and there's only one thing left to do. Let's get into today's show. By the way, because we are going to start this college contenders portion now, some of you may be wondering, well, don't you guys have thoughts on the ITA rankings? Don't you guys have thoughts on the action coming up this week? Jay, I may ask you to double up this week and get you on the show. We may do me, you, and Chris. Either th- I'm going to say maybe tomorrow night. Expect that text. So a Friday podcast for everyone to listen to, bonus on the GSP, or we talk about the action this week. We can break those sorts of things down in depth because, by the way, Chris's website, Rock and Run Rolling, once again, is the best resource in all of college tennis. And I had coaches texting me, hey, is Chris going to do the website this year? Like, why hasn't he gotten it started? And I was like, you know, I, like, don't you think I've asked him? I'm like, you, you think I don't want him to do it? Um, but all of that said, um, you know, again, I'm going to dragoon you. That's my word of choice, probably for an additional podcast. But, you know, let's talk about this Pepperdine team. We have yet to preview, uh, or so save the rankings for later, save, you know, some other stuff as well, but let's talk Pepperdine because you're right. This team has already gotten on the board this season, whether it was Lisa Czar putting together one of the most successful falls of the, uh, uh, across the nation, whether it's obviously the talent they bring in in Janice Chen, who's coming off of an NCAA semifinal last year, you know, yes, they, you know, you coming off of a season and really turning the page in a Pepperdine era. You had the Leahy era 2018 through 2021, where, you know, this Pepperdine team had tons of success, whether it was, you know, again, qualifying for Sweet 16s, Elite 8s, National Indoors, and just being in the mix in the top 10. That was a staple of the Leahy era. And obviously they added a piece in Jessica Fela from USC who fit like a hand in a glove last year. And it's crazy to say that a team can lose its top two and go off on a run, you know, last season where you look overall what this team was able to accomplish. Let's, you know, again, be clear. Overall, this team, 25-4 and on the season, 14-0 and at home. They beat Stanford. In the round of 32-4-2, brutal draw. Then they get Michigan, 4-0 them, make that look routine. 4-3 over UCLA, you know, a match where if Jada Hart, Abby Forbes put away the number one doubles position, that's a completely different match. North Carolina, same deal. McKenna Jones, Elizabeth Scotty, eventual NCAA champions, in command at number two doubles. Pepperdine flips that, takes it 4-3. Of course, have doubles go against them in the final, had match points at number one, high volley missed. Texas capitalizes, you know, obviously Lulu Sun clinches over Pachkaleva in the end, 4-3. About as good of a season as you can ask for, if you're Pear or Pete or anyone who's a fan of this Pepperdine Waves program. And yet, Jay, with all of that said, and please offer your thoughts on their season last year, the question coming into 22, did this team get better? 
like you add Chen, and again, you add uh, all of these different pieces to the mix. Savannah Brodus as a freshman as well, and just, you know, Vicky Flores, Flores coming in from Georgia Tech. You keep Fakuda and Machkane hopefully health- healthy this season. Did this team get better? Like, it's a legitimate question to ask. Yeah, I mean, so just a few notes on, you know, this past season for them. It felt like the appropriate send-off for Ashley Leahy, right, who's been such a fixture at the top of, you know, the the collegiate ranks. Um, you know, she's the first player in Pepperdine history to reach number one in the ITA rankings. Uh, this is the first program first, making the semifinal and the final. Uh, and this is a team that's been knocking on the door, right, you know, kind of within the Coach Per Nilsson's era, I mean, they've been knocking on the door each and every year. And to finally break through, I thought it was I thought it was appropriate. And also the irony is not lost on me that they take the doubles against both UCLA and UNC. Pepperdine really struggled with doubles last season. Um, and so that was kind of some sweet irony there. Um, but just a just a really incredible season for them. Um, you know, hats off, hats off to the entire team. And you know, they, they kind of did it without Leahy. And that's what almost makes it a little bit sweeter is she was at number one and she has carried that program for so many years. And at least in the NCAA tournament, so many of these other players stepped up and she didn't get a win in singles in the NCAA tournament, but the rest of her teammates did. And she was able to contribute in doubles. And I mean, as we look at 2022, I mean, you asked this question around Texas, right? And I would say last year's Texas team is better than this year's relative to the field. This Pepperdine team is way better than last season. And that is, that is pretty scary to say, I would say for the rest of the field. No doubt about that. And I'm not going to do my North Carolina wins the NCAA tournament more times than they lose it spiel again. You can go listen to that in the North Carolina pod. I might've even done it again in the Texas pod as well, but it's in every pod. Yeah. <laughs> well, now it's here too. So let me times. just say Graham Dovin. No, um, look, this team had a lot of things break its way last season, particularly come the NCAA tournament. And it's worth mentioning, by the way, they didn't have Leahy at the national indoors last right. year. And indoors has never been a place this team has thrived, and they still played pretty well at the indoors. And you look for them in terms of their record uh, last season, uh, again, 25-4 and four overall. But what you look at what they were able to do at the national indoors, I believe, uh, if memory serves me correctly, they were knocked out by both North Carolina and UCLA. And I don't right. think either of those matches were 4-3. But again, this team continued to get better. And, you know, Coach Pear Nelson, uh, he experimented quite a bit with the doubles lineup last season. You look for him overall, I think, uh, three, six, nine, 12, 13 different doubles combinations last year. And honestly, that feels like it, like he played more. Like there was never much continuity. And part of that was injury and just trying to get a bunch of different people matches. But, you know, again, right away, even though they had all that double success at the NCAA tournament, that feels like one low-hanging fruit for this team to get better. Of course, you have players like, and I apologize, uh, you know, Tasha Patrick-Leva, 26-2 last season, and those two losses, national indoors, and then to Lulu Sun in the national yeah. championship final match, where, as we said, one of the best matches of the past 20 of the century in college tennis, and the quality was just yeah. so high. Now their player was pushing, you know, it wasn't just lollipop, nervous tennis, it was exceptional tennis. From both, Patrick Kaleva played well enough to win. Lulu was just that good. 
You know, she's back and one year more experience. Lisa Zara, 22-2 and two last fall. She's back and one year more experience. Even if you just would have, you know, brought back Redelik, Zar, Pachkaleva, Fakuda, you'd feel pretty good about that core four. But to replace, you know, Leahy and Fela with Chen and Flores, Flores arguably the most experienced player in college tennis, Chen, the surprise talent of last season, Again, any final thoughts on 2021, feel free to say. But when you look at the fall, I feel like this team is demonstrably better. Yeah, it's an embarrassment of riches, right? They have they have a small roster. They only have their eight scholarship players. All eight of them have a UTR above 10-5. That's crazy. Those, That's crazy. That is ridiculous, right? And so they go eight deep. Um, and I make this point in the article, but you've talked a lot about lawless lineups. You know who wouldn't care if they had to play a lawless lineup? This Pepperdine. You know who probably has suggested it is Pear. So he's like, oh, I don't have to think <laughs> yeah, about it anymore. He's like, you guys pick. I don't yeah, care. Just I play. don't care. I don't care truly, right? And that was one of the interesting things about the fall is the uh, kind of the jaw-dropping announcement of Janice Chen, I felt like was one of the transfer announcements that really kind of rocked my world. I don't know about anyone else's, but it was it was a surprise. Um, and then you had, you know, Vicky Flores coming in. She's number one in the country in doubles. And so... It actually wasn't those players, though, that had the fall success. When you look at Pepperdine, they have five players in the top 40, right? It's, it's not Janice Chen. It is Lisa Zarr. It's, it's Fukuda. It's Savannah Brodus. It's the depth of this lineup. It's proving that, yes, they played four, five, and six, and they might do that again this season. But they're top 30, top 40 players, maybe even higher. And that is that's a really scary thought. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Couldn't echo that sentiment more and... Again, like you look and I mean, we can talk about it now when you look at this team and what they were able to accomplish here in the fall. So much success across the board, whether it's 12 and 2 from Brodus, 13 and 4 from Czar, 8 and 2 from Pachkaleva, Redelik, 9 and 4 as well. She seems ready to take a step forward. And Machkine, who was a top 80 player before getting injured and not being able to contribute last season, she was 8 and 3. Overall, this fall as well. Again, what are some names we haven't mentioned? Vicky Flores, five and three. If you're playing Vicky Flores at five or six singles, just pencil in your up one out because I promise you she's not going to lose. And from some of these results, that's not like an unreasonable thing to think about. Of course, again, Janice Chen, three and two in the fall. If she's not top three in the lineup, you're feeling really freaking good about your lineup. And you can actually make a case that like, again, Brodus was a blue chip recruit top junior in the country. You talk about it. Everyone's over 10-5 UTR. Everyone can play. Coach Pear will seek advice from every corner of the universe and be like, what do you guys think for the lineup? Should I just, he might actually play a rotating cast where it's like, let's just, every, we're going to do a, a musical chairs and we're just going to switch everything out. Everyone jumps forward one position at the start of each week. And it's just like, you could talk me into it. I, I mean, Brodus probably starts bottom three because she's a freshman. I think... You know, Chen probably is a guarantee top three. 
everything else in between I have no idea about. And that's the crazy thing, right? And so, you know, you can legitimately make a case for, I would say, pretty much anyone to play anywhere in the lineup, right? I mean, you can make a case Lisa Zar should be number one. She's top 10 in the country. She had a great fall. Um, Savannah Brodus just knocks off McCartney Kessler of Florida, who's going to play number one there. I mean, you can make a case anywhere. I think for me, when I think about this lineup, we're going to see a lot of fluctuations. Mm-hmm. Um, for this lineup to be elite, well, it's already elite. You can play them anywhere. But like how, how I think this plays out at the end of the season, I think is you have a top two of Chen and Pachkaleva. I do think you're going to need Chen to kind of step up and be that elite player she was at the end of last year, Pac-12 freshman of the year. Um, you know, I mean, she knocks off in consecutive fashion in Orlando, Jokic, Drummy, Anna Rogers. Um, See, but so- I don't even think, sorry to cut you off, that you need that Janice Chen. You need 90, 80% of that because, to and to your point, I actually love what you're saying about the top two because I agree when you look at it from a game style perspective, the grinding games of Vicky Flores. And yeah, she can counter punch and she's so good. She can turn defense into offense and, you know, won't let these weapons overwhelm her. She proved that at Georgia Tech throughout her tenure there. But like, if you can sneak her at three, yeah. four or five, Lisa Zara is a game style. You just feel like she's going to crush people at four or five singles. Meanwhile, Patch Galeva's got the weapons to be top two. Chen's got the weapons to be up there as well. I love yep. your construct right away. Yeah. Well, so, and that's where those top two, I think Vicky Flores is to me the linchpin at three, right? She's like the gatekeeper for top three. And well, then what about keep- Fakuda? Like Fakuda's got the weapons too. Let her play three, like just flip flop them. Yeah, I mean, look, yeah. we're we're splitting hairs at this point, right? I mean, I do think Flores has been, I mean, well, Fakuda's been at the top line. She was, what, number 11 in the country when she was playing for Ohio State. So, I mean, I would have, you know, Flores at three and then Fakuda and Czar at four and five in whatever order you want. And then Brodus at six. And then R- Redlick has taken a big step as well, right? So we're going to see everyone play everywhere. Um, but I do think that's probably the order we start to see it in. Um, I actually think the additions of Brodus and Flores in particular will really help in doubles. Obviously, Vicky Flores, number one doubles player in the country, um, with Kenya Jones at, at Georgia Tech, that's a that's a needed resource for them. Um, but to to zag on you, right? If I'm an if I'm another if I'm Texas if I'm North Carolina. I probably like my chances at doubles and one and two. So first of all, what a, like, and what a difficult path that is because doubles, one set, no ad scoring. And by the way, this Pepperdine team, the most promising development of this fall, is 26 and 10 in doubles over the course of the fall. And it was, you know, I believe uh, eight different teams but everyone experienced success. 4-0, Amachkane and Brodus. You know, 3-0, Brodus and Fakuda. 5-2, and Flores and Czar. Everyone was good. And again, for Coach Pear, it's finding your team, sticking through them, maybe play through some struggles. You've got some margin for error because if you take doubles, you're not beating. You know, you're not going to—if they take doubles, you're not going to beat this Pepperdine team. They're just too deep, too many answers everywhere. And why didn't we do this sort of freak out— because I do think since North Carolina, we've talked about these teams with depth, right? North Carolina's got six legitimate options in singles. We like If those are your six, you feel like you can win at every flight against every opponent. Texas, there are some freshmen on the roster. 
if they develop the way they have throughout their junior career play to the level they seem to indicate they're capable of, that team's going to be really good in May. And you feel like the May version of them is going to be even better than the January version. And the January version has Stearns and Shavatapan and Collins and Rapalu, And that's a nice nucleus right away as well. The difference with this Pepperdine team and why we are ogling over them <laughs> is that every single one of these players sans Savannah Brodus. And I guess Nikki Redelick a bit, although she was still fine last year. But every one of these players have experienced success in the college tennis world. As you mentioned, Shiori Fukuda, top 10 player in the country at number one singles for Ohio State, was exceptional last year. You look at her numbers, Fukuda, 19-5 and five in singles, 10-1 and one at the number four spot, was a big contributor in doubles as well. I mean, you move uh, down the list. Lisa Zarr, two losses last season. Pachkaleva, two total losses last season, 20-plus wins. Vicky Flores was part of a top 10 doubles team with Kenya Jones for the past two years, three years, whatever it may be, at Georgia Tech, has played top three in the ACC, won over 60% of her matches, proven she can do that, and you're not even asking that of her anymore. Like, again, and that's just two of them, or, or that's just four of them. Like, we haven't even gotten to, you know, again, Chen, who, a little unproven, but she's an NCAA semifinalist, and you're like, yeah, but she's the unproven one. Of the group. <laughs> exactly. Like, what are we talking about here? Imachkine, like, yeah, coming off injury, but we know how good she can be. And I do think it's worth mentioning. And this is really stupid. Like, let me be clear on the scale of stupidity. This is up there in the stupidity scale. I'm pretty sure I see Imachkine at or in front of the team picture on the website. And I'm just saying, like, that's irrelevant to their lineup moving forward. But to me, it, it's symbolic of the fact, like, it's not just like, oh, Amashkine is injured. She's kind of checked out of tennis. Like, no, 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 no. Amashkine is ready to bounce back this season. That's what I'm trying to say here is there's no like, well, do we know how committed she is? All these different things. There are options everywhere. And like, if Brodus clicks, I'm sorry, rest of the country. You're f***ed. Like, there is just like, I have no better way to say it because what's the hole? What's the weakness in this lineup? Like, Oh no, Chen and whomever's at two lose a couple matches at one and two singles. You're always going to lose matches at one and two singles. If this team plays to its potential, it could sweep the bottom three in every match. Yeah, I mean, I I, I tried to give you a zag there, and it's it's tough, right? I mean, that's what it is. It's like you know, Brodus has already clicked, right? I mean, <laughs> her knocking off Kessler of Florida four and one. I mean, like that's a crazy result. Um, so she's, she's playing really well. Yeah. I mean, it's basically, do they have a, a number one? That's a Navarro, a Stearns? No. Well, uh, do you want to, you want my zag? I mean, I like that you're trying to, I mean, I'll try to help you build the case. So you look for this team and they've got Cal this Saturday, January yep. 22nd. So we're recording yep. this Wednesday, January 19th. We're yeah. Gonna let's, learn, let's, yeah. We're going to learn something schedule. about this team. Very quickly. And then kickoff weekend, Columbia. And then I think a sneaky, dangerous Notre Dame team or Colorado. After that, they've got UCLA before the national indoors. Yep. They've got Michigan at Ohio State. Yep. Same weekend. What a weekend. They've got yep. Stanford, Princeton, all in a four-day span. San Diego's pretty darn good. Go look at their UTRs right now. I'm pretty sure they have a higher UTR than Washington Power 6 as of right now. And you know, again, they're going to play USC. They're going to play Cal again, UCLA again, and just Oklahoma, Oklahoma State at the end of the season. Pair, I'm sorry for dropping two F-bombs here. Pair's also in the, let's put it all out there. Let's see what oh, this yeah. team is made of. Yeah, let's do what we can do. And like, 
Credit to him, man. You've got the roster. You've got options to, if someone's injured, pull them and still feel good at all six of your single spots. Like, I applaud the scheduling. And I do think the only the only way this team loses, and I it's not the only way, because there's two ways. A, these Texas-North Carolina teams we've talked about and some of the other teams in our preview, Stanford, I would point to, even any team in our top ten. They're all very good. On the right day, if they play well, no ad scoring, anyone can beat anyone. We've seen that in this format. To me, what trips this team up is if they rip through the national indoors and win it, is if they rip through the conference season and they're going out, you know, coming out of the Oklahoma stretch undefeated. And it's just like, oh, we, if, they, if they rip through the WCC, they're going to Well, no, I'm saying if, the regular season. If by UCLA on April 6th, they have yeah. not lost at, and that at UCLA match, they win that and they're undefeated. Yeah. Then you worry about complaint or you just worry like we haven't, you know, we've won a lot of 4-0 matches over the stretch as well. And we're just like kind of comfortable and you get back into that 4-3 environment and you just don't know how a team's going to respond to that unless you play those 4-3s. Like I want to see this team get tested because, yeah, you've got a bunch of veterans, but it is a new unit. And how, you know, wise man once said it's not the team with the most talent, it's the team that loves each other the most that ends up winning the NCAA tournament. How do you learn to love one another as you bond through the tough moments, the adversity that brings you together? This team might be so good they don't face adversity. Like, and I know, again, it's a really bad case. Like, I hope every Pepperdine listens to that and says, Alex, that's so stupid because I agree with you. It is stupid. This team's really good. They should win it all. Unless young Stanford, Connie Ma, and, you know, everyone clicks. But they should win it all. Um I like I don't know. It's it's a schedule, Jay. It is a schedule. Well, it's also I mean it, it comes from the Chris Hallioris like professorial school of thought around ranking. I mean, how smart to schedule the Michigan Ohio State? Great. Let me rack up some some Big Ten. Let me go to Oklahoma Oklahoma State. Let me rack up some Big Twelve. All of let me play everyone in the Pac twelve. Right. I mean, just really smart scheduling. You know, look, if they lost to a Michigan or Ohio State on the road, missing a player or two indoors, would that shock me? No. Uh, would it concern me? Also, no. Right. Um, one thing I, I can't predict is what team will love them, will love each other the most. Uh, so I, 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 I can't have foresight into that. But I think ultimately I feel better about this team than I have you know, a lot of other teams uh, that we've talked about, look, they've never won a title. That is a hurdle that this team will need to cross. They broke through and made the semifinals in the final for the first time last year. So, you know, it's always tough to, to predict a team to win it when they haven't done that before. Um, but this team has the talent on the paper, depth wins championships, and this team has it in spades. You did your best programs to not win a title on the North Carolina podcast. North Carolina was on that list. Cal was on that list. Was Pepperdine a school you considered to put on that list? Not even close. Yeah. Right. Because this past year was the first time they had made it past the quarterfinals. Uh Um, So some so no, all those other schools had at least made uh, a final or multiple finals in the case of some of those other schools and many uh, semifinals and quarterfinals. So And you know what we call that in the business? A tease. Because I think, to your point, it's a testament to Coach Per Nilsson and what he's done since taking over this roster. And look, he was the assistant 
at for the Pepperdine men, 0307 with Coach Steinberg. They led this team to a national championship title. He knows what it takes to win at Pepperdine. The job they've done recruiting and absolutely zero credit goes to Pete Billingham, who's just an atrocious coach. Just has no idea what he's doing. You know, six foot six, but Actually, I think, I don't know if he's six foot six. Pete, you know, I love you. Um, it's an exceptional coaching staff. And it's not, by the way, just those two. You got to give a shout out as well to Jan, who, of course, you know, volunteer assistant you see on the court in each and every match. He's been great also. And there's just pair Pete and Jan have clicked. Like you can tell being around them, hanging out with them, as I've had the privilege to do. There's a communication between the three of them and a laid back nature. And that, although there's still an intensity, again, Hell hath no fury like a like a scor- uh, scorned Pear Nilsson. I again, whatever that may be. I think I said that correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a, yeah, exactly. But I don't remember if that's how the saying goes. Doesn't matter. Point being, the job they have done building this program through recruiting, through transfers, playing to their strengths of hey, come spend a season in Malibu. You know what's not horrible? Living in Malibu for a year or living in Malibu for four years, whatever it may be. They. It's bearing the fruit of that. And like you you struggled in 17 and you had all this, you know, or 16 and all the success building in 17, 18. And now you see the culmination of that in the Leahy class, right? And now it's like, okay, we've established the foundation. The only place left to go, in my opinion, for this Pepperdine program is national championship. Yep. I mean, I totally agree. That's the only place to go. Uh, in, in kind of doing some research for the article, it was interesting to me to see how you know, this was an elite tennis school in the 1980s, 1990s, and at the turn of the century started to really struggle, um, you know, kind of dip down to first round, second round territory. Kelly and- Jones, father of McKenna Jones, NCAA doubles champion at Pepperdine. Yep. Back in back in that era. Um, and so credit to, to Perry Nelson. I think sometimes we forget, um, We can, at least I can be a little short sighted and thinking like, man, they've um, They've been there many years and it's like, well, actually, like they really just started on the scene in 2016 and, and reviving this program. And you mentioned the recruiting. I mean, we shouldn't go without saying just like Louisa Stefani, top 11, top 10 in the world in doubles. Meyer Sharif, top 60 in the world in singles. Um, so they brought in incredible talent. They've developed that talent. Um, and ultimately, you just see the foundation that they built. And as you mentioned, take advantage of, of, of their of their value prop. And they also have hurdles too, right? I mean, they're, they're not in a power five conference. Uh, they're not in the pac 12, but obviously they work around that with their scheduling. So ultimately I, you know, this team has, has done an incredible job of getting Pepperdine back to where you would expect they would be in Malibu. Um, and it's going to be a really exciting season to watch. You no, know, I, again, top down from all the way to pair who's had success at every stop. And, you know, I joke with him, Pete's going to be a head coach someday, and he's going to be really freaking good at it. And that'll be Pear's worst nightmares, having to compete against Pete, because Pete's going to know all the secrets. Um, you know, again, this, uh, the, from the coaching staff, the players they've recruited, and again, it's, this roster's still as talented as it is. Like, yeah, you lose some of the graduate seniors, you lose Fakuda, you lose Vicky Flores, you lose, I believe, Imash, no, no, Imashkane's still a junior as well, but like, that's the other thing. Shen's a sophomore, Redelick sophomore, Pashkaleva sophomore, Zars a junior, like a Brodus a freshman. <laughs> yeah. This team has set up itself up for success moving forward. And so yeah. again, we're talking about it making that next step. Let's play devil's advocate. I know we've tried here, but like I tried. Yeah. I, I, so I think like I guess then bold take is like 
they don't win the title? Like, <laughs> what's the full take? They lose in the semifinals. They lose a match this season. I mean, it's a really tough, like, you could see them getting tripped up indoors in that Michigan-Ohio State exactly. stretch late yeah. February or Stanford at home March 6th, Princeton March 10th. It's a it's a tough 15-day stretch there, particularly coming off of the national indoors two weeks earlier, and there's a little layoff between that and this. I mean, by the way, I like the way he has it planned there so that they're peaking come that Stanford match. You know, all the rush shaking off Michigan-Ohio State. You play San Diego the next week, and then you're rearing to go that next day for Stanford. But, I mean, again, like, I've it's a lot of positivity here. And Pear's going to be like, don't do that. Give me the negativity. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. Like, they won 72% of their doubles matches this fall. Even that was just like a silver lining. I don't I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know what I mean, else to say. I think ultimately it comes down to not, they don't have the strongest top two in the country, right? When you sure. they face a UVA, a Texas. Subash Navarro, you think, okay, we can win two points there. Well, let's go through. Exactly. Let's play this game. You've now opened up Pandora's box here, if, Pandora's if, you, box. if, I, if I may. Um, okay. okay, in our top 10, Stearns and we'll say Shavatapan, top two. Yep. Who do you like more, them or Texas? Pepperdine or Texas? Well, who are we just saying any? We could be because any random two from Pepperdine. We'll say we, Chen and Pachkaleva. Okay, um, I'd go fifty-five percent Texas. I feel good about Stearns winning that match. Um, Shabathapan hasn't made the sophomore jump I've been expecting, so I give that a fifty-fifty. Scotty Crawley. Well, I don't think Crawley is going to be in the top two, but um, there it is. I, I would go Pepperdine. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, all right, let's Stanford, whether it's Yepafanova and Ma or Ma and Gordon or Yepafanova and Gordon. I mean, I think I think the answer is like it's a toss up and that's as good as these other teams are going to do. Except for (laughs) Subash Navarro. Subash Navarro is the only one I would say definitively I'll take them. Yeah, but and that's not because like Navarro is a lot of like. A lock of locks, yeah. right? And so it's like, well, okay, then even if you just split two, like you favor UVA in those instances. Um, well, that, but that's but, the thing is, it's like it's one team, and it's the team with the national champion and the number one player in the country, and it's like that's it. That's the only one who you say definitively edge to them. It just it's when you go line by line, position by position, relative to the field. The fact that they just have one through six, I feel like you could switch them any any order, basically, means that one and two relative to the field are going to be less dominant than three, four, and five, which you might be saying, like, that's always going to happen. You're going to get your best players at one and two. But, you know, typically with a national championship team, you do have a someone who is going to make an elite run in the final, right? And I don't know if they have that. My bold take is that pair red shirts Brodus. And he's like, yeah. Let's just save the fourth year. Like, we don't need it this year. Um, no. My, I mean, what can stop a team? <laughs> I don't know. Like, now I'm we're going to get on these, like, intangibles. Yeah, right? exactly. Other than a non-tangible thing, injuries, which is not something sure. you can measure for. But, yes, on paper. Here's the other thing. It's growth in other teams. Again, if other teams overperform or freshmen, sophomores make these jumps, maybe someone catches them. But I guess that's the key framing. Everyone's playing catch-up, right? As we look towards this team and we make predictions about what they're capable of achieving this season. That's the big yep. thing. Is it just feels like, and we've we've litigated the roster. We've talked about it all. We can give predictions now. It's just, it feels like they are a step ahead of the curve. 
That said, they're not an indoor team. And so, like, the national indoors is inherently interesting. That said, Flores has had plenty of success indoors. Vicky Flores has had plenty of success indoors. You know, it's like Patrick Leva's game makes sense indoors. It's like, even in indoors, this team still makes it. They should be the favorite. Are they going to sweep? Are they going to win them both, Jay? What do you think? I mean, let's start with the conference. Can they win the conference? going to be tough. Exactly. We have Honestly, we can I just say, I don't know if they're a conference. I don't think San Diego's in their conference, are they? I don't think so. They might be West Coast, actually. I think they are, now that I think. Point being, San Diego's so good. San Diego, it, San Diego is in their conference. Okay, San Diego's really good. They're not Pepperdine good. But San Diego is really good this year, I would like to point out. But, yeah, they're going to win the conference. Let's talk nationally. Where do you have them? So, before we do that, I want to say two things that I've noticed about Pepperdine. I'd be remiss not to say this. One, you talked about the coaching staff. I think it should be said that the administrative staff seems more supportive of this team than I've seen of any other school for tennis. Uh, I saw it in Orlando with the athletic director there. I believe the president there as well. I mean, this school is behind this program and you just really love to see that um and it's very apparent in everything that they do even across social media so credit to the administrative staff and all the support staff who support this team they do an incredible job the second thing is the 2018 team is one of the last few teams from of Perry nelson's tenure at pepperdine that has not made the quarterfinals and, and that, that was the team with Stefanini and Sharif and Leahy and all of them, right? That was exactly. That was Stefani, Leahy, and Meyer Sharif at one, two, and three. And they lost in the round of 16 to Georgia Tech Vicky at number Flores six single. Clinch! I was there! <laughs> exactly. You're right! Oh, man. Exactly. So that was – do you want to hear my day that day? Do you mind if I interject? I apologize. Sure. But I, first of all, one of these days, just say no. Be like, let me finish my point. Well, I, I do want to just say good, like, good, the, good, good. the irony of like freshman Vicky Flores clinching against Pear in a heartbreaking loss. I mean, that 2018 team was really good. And for her to now come as a fifth year and potentially be the missing link they need to kind of carry them over the line, I just think that is would be an incredible, a sweet, sweet, story book ending for both pair and vicky flores so uh, i'd be remiss not to share that story first of all that's my dead brain stefani i knew i butchered it the moment it was coming out of my mouth i apologize b so 10 and a half hour drive 11 hour drive i'm not gonna say what i was doing during the drive on my way i wasn't drinking relax people um as i was driving down to north carolina and i finally pull in and it's nighttime and I believe I'd called Chris or I was like, hey, man, like and we hadn't met at that point. And Chris and I were not like friends like we are. I mean, nowadays I'd be like, we're, like you know, we'd make I'd probably pick him up before I go there. It was like, hey, we'll meet there. And if you're there, we'll say hello, whatever. Um, and I drive in and he's like, oh, we left because it's about to rain and it looks like Pepperdine's going to clinch over Georgia Tech. And I was like, oh, well, I drove all this way. If there's still any tennis going on, this is my first press pass ever. First NCAAs I've ever attended. Like, I'm going to go. And I go. And then, like, slowly the rain starts to come. And I mean, oh, what an ending it was for Vicky Flores, who at her freshman self was her most energetic and most unrefined and, like, just this untamed pool of energy. 
And like the next night, they play a thriller against UCLA, and it, or yep. two nights later, and it was just finish that one indoors. Yeah, so that is an incredible note there, Jay. Yep. I'm really happy you added that here. And so, with that in mind, are you picking them to win? I am. I think they're going to be the first non-power five school to win it on the women's side, um, and I think it's it's going to be a it's going to be a good year. I don't think they win indoors. I'm going to stick with my North Carolina pick um, for indoors. So I think oh. to your intangible love. Oh, they're gonna lose, and they're gonna, you know, become best of friends in those hard times, and then they're gonna roll on uh, to to win it all. I mean, it could be very similar to Texas, right? They suffer a loss indoors. I know you like that that um, that theory of the case. So I don't think they win indoors, uh, but I think they do win um, in. One thing to note, though, is that NCAA's this year is at Illinois. Chances are higher. We are indoors. Does that factor in TBD? But um, yeah, I have them winning their um, their first NCAA See, team title. I think they lose indoors not because it's indoors, but because they're inexperienced as a group together. And I think Texas, just mm. that core four, has played more together. Stern, Shavathapan, mm. Rapalu, Collins, they've been through a national championship run. That continuity plus talented freshmen. It's a recipe, especially for early season confidence. You ride in a ton of success early on. But I mean, this Pepperdine team can still beat them at the national indoors, and can still win that and can I think I agree with you they're my pick to win the NCAA tournament I am fascinated again I think it's gonna be so good for that young Stanford team to get to see them on March 6th uh at in Malibu at Pepperdine and hopefully we'll get to call that match in some sort of form or fashion unless one of unless Ma and Yepafanova pop or like Mora and Scotty are healthy and look like they did as freshmen I don't like I don't know how this team gets beat. I really it's, don't. It, yeah, it's just tough because who can beat them? Match four, calculus. Five, They're not a four, a one point team, a two point team, a three point team, a four point team, a five point team, a six point team. They're a seven point team. <laughs> I expect them to sweep everyone they play. Like, all right, maybe a five point team. Fine. You want to give up one and two? They're a five point team. Like they move are. O- move over Stanford men, nineteen ninety eight. Well, we'll see. Like this yeah. team, I'm not. They're not there yet. I need to see it. But, like, rip through without dropping a match worse than 4-1 at the indoors, and we'll start to talk. And we'll just we'll start floating things. You know, Stanford teams over the past decade, those Florida teams uh, that were really, really good in the late 2000s, early 2010s. Of course, you can keep going back in time further as well. Pepperine's loaded. And that's what makes this, again, it was such a fun podcast. It's fun to get to do this and, like, finally, after all the culminations and all the tying yourselves in knots and arguments, <laughs> this one was so straightforward. It's like they've got the most talent. They're experienced talent. Doesn't matter how you play them. Roll the balls out. The Waves can win the national title. It's going to be exciting season in Malibu and, of course, exciting for all of us college tennis fans to follow along. Now, with that said, we've also reached number one on the men's side. We knew it was coming. Same as our preseason number one as well. You have Florida. Do you feel better? I mean, obviously, inherently, I guess a little bit worse given they lost. But how do you feel about that take post-Texas? I still feel good about it, right? I mean, if anything, this is a better start to the season than normally. They normally lose to Texas in January. That's what I say. (laughs) So, um, you know, I, I feel pretty much the same about it. I was surprised, though, particularly the volley and Andrade performances and the Shelton performance too. I thought they would be a little bit um, more ready to go, but to be honest, we didn't get to see them at TCU. So I don't know how well TCU played there. I mean, look, this top three, 
you have the defending national, you know, NCAA fi- champion. You have a former number one player in the country, Dwarfe Valley, and you have the All American champion Ben Shelton. Don't know what more you want at one, two, and three. At four, you've got Andrade, you've got Seymour, who's played top of the lineup at Michigan, um, and you've got six Goodyear, who was undefeated last year, no longer undefeated. But just a plethora of options there. I think one of the reasons I also have the team at one is I think they're going to be better in doubles, right? I mean, Seymour, probably one of the better doubles players in the country. Uh, freshman Shelbaya is also a really strong doubles player. So I that was their worst point last season, percent win percentage-wise. So I think they turn that around. And they're my, well, they're not my pick to win the title, but they're my, they're my number one preseason team. I would say the fact that they went two and four at the one through three singles positions and still played both matches for three. And you still felt like they probably should have won against TCU, given you have Goodyear going on, who's undefeated that six, and like you yeah. feel pretty good about your chances. That is why they're our number one team, is you just have so many known commodities. Riffis, Shelton's gotten better. You know, Vale, Andrade, as experienced as any two players in the country. You know what you're getting with Seymour, Goodyear, Shelby, Rife in a pinch as well. Steam has options everywhere, and that's why there are preseason number one, and there's a defending champs, and you just can't replicate that. A defending championship team that brings back five of their six single starters, you've earned the right to be yes. our preseason number one. With all of that said, next week, we're talking real matches. We're previewing, we're reviewing, kickoff weekend, all of these things in the mix, Jay. Oh my God, kickoff weekend's next week. Kill me now. I'm already exhausted, and we haven't even started planning anything is it next weekend? It's not this Saturday. It's next Saturday, right? Yeah, it's, it's the okay. 28th, 29th. Yeah, don't do that to me, Jay. <laughs> don't give me that it sort of 20- momentary yeah. moment. Like, <gasps> it's not? Um, no, no, it is. Um, yep. Yeah, give me your take. Give me a, we, any final thoughts as we wrap this College Contender Series as we look towards 2022. Um, well, you you stoked in me a writing bug, apparently, because <laughs> I'm now doing a, a, a weekly matches of the week, which I'm actually really excited about. Um, so unsure when this will drop, but, um, you can check that out at the, at the website, no ad, no problem, or just go to my Twitter feed. Um, that's been really fun. It has been difficult to decide what matches, uh, to, to land on, but that's been fun. I'm looking forward to doing that throughout the course of the season and also just chatting real results and the ebbs and flows and rankings hoopla and and all that good stuff. So, I mean, there are, if, if last weekend was the men's kickoff if you will de facto kickoff this weekend is absolutely the women's time to shine we're getting unc georgia this weekend we're getting pepperdine cal yeah i mean it's all happening this weekend i mean the kickoff weekend is i guess in a week but we're kicking it off now so uh there's a lot of action to follow and i'm super excited well, with all that said, if you have missed any of our episodes, you can hear about all of our preseason top 10 teams on our Crack Rackets website. You can read about them from Jay. Any regrets? Cal, NC State, would they be in your top 10 if we redid this? I made the best decision I could with the information I had. Yeah! <laughs> Welcome to the cop-out team. Um, yeah, the uh, that's his way of saying yes. Um, and look, again, we've talked about the my doubt. way of saying these announcements need to come earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Simon Earnshaw, I'm telling you, we've got more things in the works. Tell us now. We need it for the rankings. Well, why didn't you put my team in the top 10? Because you didn't tell us. You had all these things in the works. I love you, Simon. Best accent in all of tennis. Um, 
Yeah, this was really fun, Jay. Um, there's no one I could have imagined doing this with other than you, and unfortunately now dragooned for life. Like you are part of the Cracked Rackets family moving forward, my friends. So immensely grateful for all of your hard work, twenty thousand plus words, and guess what? Season hasn't even started yet, my friend. Wait till it's March, and you're like, you want to do this again? And I'm like, yeah, just like I know it's a bonus Friday night podcast, but please. And you're like, Ugh. and that's when that's when you know. Um, but, yeah, it's just, yeah, that's the text. I asked Chris when he's gotten that text, and like some of the mean things he said in response were, again, not for the podcast. But all of that said, again. All the College Contenders Preview Podcasts available on our website, CrackRackets.com. Power 5 interviews over on the Cracked Interviews Podcast feed. Like, rate, subscribe, review to this show, Cracked Interviews Podcast, Mini Break Podcast, YouTube channel, to ensure that you don't miss out on any of our content. Of course, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at CrackRackets, at JTweetsTennis, at A.L. Gruskin. A shout-out, as always, to the man, the myth, the legend, super producer Daniel Westoff for the... About any job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. With all of that said, for the last time here on our College Contender Series, for my fantastic dynamic duo partner, John J. Parsons, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I am your host, Alex Gruskin. Jay, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 